Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. This is episode 7, week 7. I am TK, joined by Andrew Holly. Holly, how are you, man? Well, it's a it's a disappointing Monday. Uh, yesterday was a disappointing game. I mean, what what else can you really say? I mean, yeah. just to lose in that fashion is a gut punch. Yeah, very unexpected way for it to happen. You know, a, a, like a loss is okay, and the and the Ravens lose, it's okay. But sure, and to lose it, it, to the Saints, you know, mm-hmm. hey, it is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, the Saints are a great team. Yeah, or can but be just a great to, team. But just to lose in a fashion that you're just not expecting. That's kind of tough. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, what can you say? Or you can't really say enough about Justin Tucker and his reaction. I mean, after yeah. the game, stands up, takes all the questions from the media. You know, it, it, he shows why he's a great potential Hall of Fame player, you know. But that's just a tough way to lose a game. What can yeah. you say? Yeah, can't really say much. Ravens lose 24-23 to the Saints. As we mentioned, the uh, unfortunate timed missed point after attempt by Justin Tucker. Um, obviously can't boil it down to one play like that, but uh, Ravens lose at home. Uh, so we will talk about our our thoughts on the offense, defense, special teams, do game ball, pop of the week, uh, put somebody on notice with some bulletin board material. We'll go inside the stadium with a surprise guest and... We will look forward to Week Eight at the Carolina Panthers. So, like we said last week, you know we like when Harbaugh defers and puts the defense out on the field. But you know we're going to start here by talking about the offense. The offense ended up sitting on the sideline for ten minutes and and kind of got off to a little bit slower of a start when they finally did get the ball. They had to punt early on, but then as they settled in, you know uh, things got moving a little bit more. Uh, the run game kind of struggled once again with with two backup offensive linemen in there. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. got the start at right tackle and, and had his struggles against Cam Jordan uh, on that defensive line. And then Bradley Bozeman and um, Grasso, uh, you know, got some time at left guard as Bozeman kind of suffered an injury of his own. So... I mean, a lot of good things to look at on the offense. I think Joe Flacco was pretty efficient in, in some of his passes. Uh, John Brown had a big game. So, Holly, you know, what are some of your thoughts, you know, as you were watching um, about how the offense looked and what are some things they might be able to do better going forward? You know, I, I think overall it was was what we, you know, have come to expect somewhat out of out of the Ravens' offense. You know, they've got, you know, they, they Joe spread the ball around again yesterday. As you said, John Brown had a big game. He was yet again the deep threat, making some pretty dynamic plays downfield. Michael Crabtree, five receptions for 66 yards. Willie Sneed had a big drop, but, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording, we still ended up at least scoring on that drive. You know, but he, he, Willie Sneed still had three grabs. You know, I I think it's, like I said, it's, it's you know, the Mandrews had a touchdown. Oh, so, yeah, you know. Joe's able to spread the ball around a little bit because he's got some decent receivers. The The running game is bad right now. And, you know, I I was somewhat jokingly saying, hey, we need to give the ball to Gus Edwards. But why not at this point? I mean, because it's it's becoming somewhat of an issue, you mm-hmm. know, because if you want to try to control 
control the clock, you don't do that by throwing the ball down the field. And, you know, that tends to be what Joe prefers to do rather than, than, you know, I guess, I guess there are times we will dink and dunk it, but I don't know. I, I it's just, that's not really the way to control the clock as, as we've talked. Now I will say I did like Lamar Jackson and his first NFL touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. It was a little read option play that he took right up the middle uh, you know, fought through a, a little bit of contact there to get in. But awesome to see Lamar getting into the end zone, hopefully the first of like 800 for his career. Absolutely. So, yeah, The first of him. his Hall of, future Hall of Famer, Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, really just he was getting closer and closer each week. I mean, last week he got down to like the three-yard line, and it was finally good to see him break that plane. Uh, again, he was really effective in the red zone, uh, like you've been saying for several weeks now. You know that is where he has the most value to the to this offense uh, to provide some kind of run game in the red zone. So awesome to see him get in. Did the nice little Kodak Black dance uh, with Buck <laughs> Allen. So he's he was a happy guy. Um, I'm sure he would have preferred it to come in a win, obviously, but. Uh, moment that he will remember for for forever absolutely and you know as i'm sitting here looking at the stat line for for the game here's the biggest problem with with the running game from the ravens the top five rushers from the game Mm -hmm. you've got alex collins with 11 carries and 38 yards that sucks but at least you know he's the starting running back and you know he should have the most carries and the most yards Mm -hmm. well the next Four guys are Willie Sneed, Lamar Jackson, Chris Moore, and Joe Flacco. Two wide receivers and two quarterbacks as the four other leading rushers, quote-unquote, on the team. I mean, then you've got Buck Allen for three carries for three yards. That's pretty terrible. I mean, I whether it's the offensive line, the play calling, whatever you want to call it, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I'm not sure you'll see that kind of spread from any other teams. I mean, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit on the defense uh, segment, but you know, the Saints kind of used Taysom Hill in the same way that the uh, that the Ravens used Lamar Jackson. Uh, but again, you know, they had Kamara get 17 carries and Mark Ingram got 12. I'm not yep. sure you'll see the Ravens kind of balance anywhere else where, you know, Willie Sneed and Chris Moore are you know, leading in rushing yards for a game. So kind of strange overall. You know, in previous weeks, we've gotten off after the offensive line for the run back blocking. I think that the way that I say it, it needs to include the tight ends as well because they are very involved in the run blocking game. And there's been a lot of videos on Twitter and things like that, you know, things that I don't necessarily notice while I'm watching, but, you know, people who are reviewing films and there's just really weird run blocking schemes that the tight ends are, you know, going underneath the tackle to block somebody inside. It's just very strange stuff. You know, something is up. You know, I think the running game at least needs the bye week pretty bad. You know, they need some time to figure this thing out. It's just it's just has to get better because, you know, as as well as Flacco's playing, you know, he needs to lean on that a little bit more. He need he does no matter what. I mean, there you know he is Flacco. Look, you know he has shown 
obviously, at least in the Super Bowl year, other years leading up to the playoffs. You know, towards the end of the season, if he's healthy and upright and the the rest of the offense is okay, he, he can carry the team for a couple games and, and lead you deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But leading up to that, you need to make sure you've got that running game established so it's a threat for him to then become the quarterback that can win you some games, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, you know, I don't I – don't, I don't see the Ravens ever being able to establish this. Now, what's going to fix that? You know, and and as you said, hopefully the bye week does some good. But, you know, this probably isn't a reality because trading in the NFL is very different than trading in other sports because you've got the cap and other things to deal with. Would you want to trade for a running back? Like, let's say, I mean, I don't know if Shady McCoy is not someone I would want, at least with the injuries he's he's had lately but if if there was a run like let's say okay the raiders would would you take marshawn lynch i don't think so i don't know i mean i'm just i'm just going on the name of someone that might i don't know that i would either but i mean is there a running back out there that, that you'd want to trade for that would make a difference would that even help so i'm kind of split on this because you know at draft time and free agency you always think like you know running back is the most replaceable position but Bullshit. right yeah, because look at the Rams with Todd Gurley. Look at the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt. Nobody's replacing those guys. No. Certainly not Alex Collins. Certainly not Buck Allen. No. You know? It's a joke. Right. I mean, it's a joke that we came into this season. I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, But it was a joke, in my opinion. I didn't like it coming in that we didn't have a good young back they could potentially get the ball if Alex Collins fell flat on his face. Now, this is not – I know I've busted on him the last few weeks. This isn't, this isn't all on Alex Collins, and I don't, mm-hmm. don't mean to, to say that. But there isn't the Ray Rice yeah. that you drafted in the second round you know, last year that's maybe you know sat on the bench and learned the offense, and now he's ready to roll. You know, There isn't that young back that you might be able to give the ball to that – should have been more of a priority than maybe a second tight end. As much as I love Mark Andrews. Yeah. And he's been great. I mean, I'm not saying I don't want him, but some sometimes as much as I love Ozzy, he's proven to not value the running back position. You think about after the Ravens won their first first Super Bowl, there was no viable running back for Jamal Lewis after Priest Holmes left. He blows out his knee in training camp and that killed that, that season. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, I mean, I think they were looking for that guy to be Kenneth Dixon, but he True. had his issues staying healthy. You know, unfortunately, he got hurt again. But again, you know, not all that much. Um, and can you really be that surprised about that? You no, know, unfortunately, you at this point, I mean, he's kind of a China doll. Yeah, you can't. So running back certainly an issue. I think, you know, with the trade deadline approaching uh, that's the one position that you might have to address the other one with these injuries now might be the offensive line because yeah absolutely first's back injury uh is is persisting and and you know doesn't really go away that could be a big time issue and and it seems like alex lewis should be able to come back shortly uh but i think at this point hurst is the bigger concern I would agree, and you have to start thinking too. I mean, as we've talked in your in weeks past, you know, is is Lewis deserving of a starting spot at this point? I mean, you know, granted, we've got to worry about Hurst's health and 
I guess, Bozeman's health. What exactly happened to Bozeman? I, I haven't seen what his actual injury was yet. Lower left leg injury. Because he seemed to walk off the field okay, but then obviously, you know, well, anyway, we'll just have to hope he's healthy because we're going to need him to keep playing because the little bit that we've seen of him, he seems to have, you know, at least held his own. Let's put right. it that way. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully that's not that bad. Um, Orlando Brown had a tough matchup. I mean, Cameron Jordan is a really good player. Uh, I think Brown was a little bit better in pass protection than he was in his run blocking. Um, so first start, maybe not as as dominant as we were expecting from Orlando Brown Jr., but I think it was probably really good experience for him. They're giving him a ton of help as far as, you know, chips and things like that go, but... You know, probably. Really I mean, good. bottom line, even with the with the health problems, the the line only gave up one sack. I mean, not to say that they were dominant or had a great game. Yeah. But you know, it's not like Joe was really running for his life all right. game. Yeah, I, that's certainly true. You know, one one other thing I kind of noticed. You know, we're talking about this run game and the blocking schemes, and you know, Gus Edwards didn't get on the field that much. The other guy that hasn't really gotten on the field much is. Patrick Ricard. You know, we've mostly That's been true. Going, we've mostly been going with these blocking tight ends in the backfield or Buck Allen in, in the backfield with Collins. But I mean, Ricard was the number one full blocking fullback in the league last year as far as the PFF grades go. And we That is surprising. Him. That is surprising as much as we tend to value a fullback even though well, I say that in our fullback is a part-time defensive lineman. But <laughs> I, I think that more speaks to Ricard than it does our our lack of value on the fullback. But you're right. I mean, do you, I mean, is you know, I haven't looked at snaps lately. Is he getting more? I haven't seen him play defense as much as he you know had, you would think if he's not getting time on fullback. Yeah, I think <clears> yesterday <throat> he had two defensive snaps at D tackle and didn't touch the field on offense. So I don't know. Kind of surprising. I mean, a player that played well yeah. last season in that role. Uh, and I feel like, you know, as the season went on and Collins got hot, we did run the ball effectively last year. So kind of kind of strange that they've gotten away from that. I mean, maybe he just isn't practicing well there. I mean, maybe that's the case, and they think that, you know, Max Williams is going to be more effective. Uh, but I don't well, know. Well, you know, it could, be, it could be a number of things. They could be looking, you know, I, I'm trying to put on my – my uh, Marty Morningweg glasses here and looking at this and thinking, well, I've got these, you know, dynamic tight ends that I want to try to get on the field that can do more than just block. Yeah. So they feel like they can probably create a lot of different formations and potentially mismatch with the defense and all of that. And I'm sure that plays a big part in it. Now let's just hope that, you know, uh, figuring they're not going to make some sort of roster move or trade. Hopefully during the bye week reset, they say, okay, we need to improve the running game. What is that? We need to start playing Ricard more fullback. Yeah. I mean, Ricard caught two touchdowns last year. I mean, he's dynamic in his own right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And so, funny side note about Patrick Ricard. I work with his cousin. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. His cousin, cousin, Joe, he's he's actually a big Patriots fan. Apparently, they, they come oh, from Massachusetts, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's his okay. uh, his uh, 
his cousin is fun to uh, fun to uh, trash talk with. Is he also a huge person? No, no actually, that's the funny thing. Is is uh, he's basically a midget or little person, I guess, mm. as, as they prefer to be called. No, interesting. That's... It's weird, right? Yeah. He, he, I asked him about that. I was like, "How that? Where did you not get that size?" And he he complained. Like, yeah. Apparently, it's his mom's side of the family or something. Yeah. Patrick's been eating his dinner growing up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really quick, speaking of the tight ends, um, another disappointing effort by Hayden Hurst. You know, had a chance to have a huge reception. Um, Flacco kind of yeah. lofted it to him. Maybe with a little bit more zip uh, gets him the ball, but would have been nice to see Hurst catch that pass. I mean, he was wide open. You got to catch been. it though, right? Yeah. I mean, it did yeah. it I mean, didn't it hit him in the hands? Am I wrong to say that? I mean, yeah. it really should have been in my opinion it's a ball that if you're a first round pick, you, yeah. you need to make that grab. Yeah, got to earn your paycheck for sure. I, I thought he should have caught it. You know, like I said, Flacco floated it a little bit so the de- defender had a chance to uh make it a tougher play, but I thought I thought he could have had it. I thought he should have had it. Um, and and kind of that was late in the game. And, and also noticing late in the game, and, and I don't know if you saw this as well, but a lot of those late third and fourth downs just kind of seemed a little off. I mean, a, a little bit of weird timing maybe. You know, Flacco ended up like floating some balls up off of his back yeah. feet. We had receivers running directly towards each other. So... Uh, I don't know. It just seemed really disorganized in like the two minute drill that they should be pra- practicing every week. So I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it happened. did look <clears throat> it did look a little off. It, it reminded more of you know seasons past than what we've been used to with this team. Yeah, but in a sense though too, this is the first you know, in, in my opinion, that, that that first time they've had that where they've you know, really had the chance to, you know, several times two minute drill, you know, sort of offense. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously towards the end of the game, they, you know, we almost were able to tie it up and take it to OT. So there was some success there, but mm-hmm. you're right. It was, it was not pretty at times. Yeah. Just looked a little helter skelter. I don't know. Don't expect that with a team with a veteran quarterback, veteran receivers, Maybe some of it is, you know, the young offensive linemen or, or young tight ends, but you know, there's quite a quite a strong veteran presence on that side of the ball. So just kind of surprised to see that. Well, you know, I I, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm anti Flacco by saying this, but you've got to point the figure at the quarterback some. Yeah. As much as I I like Joe Flacco and and do trust him in a lot of times in those situations. There are also other times you've got to shake your head and go, you know, even if even if the play is coming in slow from the sidelines, he's got to he's got to be able to say, screw them. I'm going to take control. Let's get this play in and get this done, you know, and right. get the team organized and make it happen. And that so as much as you have to point fingers potentially at the coaching staff, you also have to point fingers at the leaders on the offense and. Who's the main leader? It's Joe Flacco. So those are moments where you kind of shake your head, where you're kind of like, come on, Joe, what what's going on? Yeah. Where I, I feel like, you know, there's got to be a little bit more there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a quick example of, of that in particular, of Joe just taking control and doing what he wants. And it came very early in the game. I believe 
on the first or the second drive on offense, and the it was a third down, I think it was like a third and seven, and the Ravens had the perfect opportunity to force a 12-men-on-the-field penalty. Yes! And the crowd went berserk because Flacco let the Saints line up and let yep. them. It, I mean, that's how it seemed. You know, he was kind of yeah. just standing there. The offense was set, ready to go. They were shuffling a oh defensive my lineman off. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the situation in which, like, dude, like, s- snap the ball. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to get called for a penalty. I mean, anything can happen and we're going to get five yards. Whereas on the other side of the ball, Drew Brees, in total control of his game, late in the game, third down, he just decides, you know what, we're going to hurry up to the line and snap it quick before the crowd can get into it and before the defense can line up. So, I mean, there's such a vast difference in, yeah. in the way that the game is handled uh, by quarterbacks like Drew Brees and, you know, probably guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, than what Flacco showed on that one particular play. So I, I don't know if it's just that one particular play, but that just seems to be a common theme across Flacco's whole career. It, it is. And, and, and when I, you know, and not to do this conversation because it's so like ridiculous at this point, but it shows you why Flacco truly isn't the Hall of Fame elite quarterback. Now, is he a, is he in the Ravens ring of honor? And is he the best quarterback that has ever played for the Ravens without a doubt twice on Sunday? Yeah. But the reality is there is, a wide gap between Flacco and guys like Drew Brees, guys like Tom Brady. Are there days where Joe Flacco can potentially go toe-to-toe? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But on a game-to-game basis, he does not seem to have that same game awareness. I don't know if that's even the, the best. I mean, certainly in the the, the examples you provided, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's that extra something, whether it's – I don't want to say it's even preparedness, because I'm sure Joe Flacco is great as far as practice and preparation. But that I don't know where it's mental edge or whatever it is that guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, whatever you want to say, have that Joe just doesn't seem to, to exude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I, I think the same thing. But, you know, kind of just frustrating sometimes where you, you have those obvious opportunities and uh, – you just pass up on him for one reason or the other. Did you have any other notes on the offense? Not really. I mean, it was like I said before. I mean, I think I think we're starting to get a real understanding of what this offense is and what needs to improve. I think the, the for once the passing game is really an, a, a huge positive, mm-hmm. it, but there is definitely still some work to be done. Yeah. Yeah, and you know all this talk about Flacco. I mean, he did play well yesterday. I think I absolutely, think he, he had a well good game. He's not the reason we lost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's not, I, I am in no way pointing the finger at Joe and saying, "Oh, he sucked," and what we need to start Lamar Jackson or any stupidity like that. Look, yeah. Joe had a very good game. Two hundred seventy-nine yards. He only threw the ball thirty-nine times, which is probably right around where you want him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hey, we, he only was sacked once, like like we said, so he had time to throw. He generally made good decisions, didn't get picked. So, you know, that's that's the kind of Joe Flacco we want to see. But to, to have Joe, a Joe Flacco like that that's going to be consistently a winner, you need that running game 
that puts up 120 yards and maybe a touchdown to go along with Joe Flacco's numbers. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So why don't we flip it over to the defense where, you know, this was the highly anticipated matchup. It was the Saints offense against the Ravens defense. Man, that first drive was pretty frustrating. Yeah, man. I, I We were talking about it before we started recording. They went for it with that fake punt on fourth and one. Then they go with their one yard, you know, fourth and one. They get a run up the middle for 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 first down. Then they have another five yard run on a fourth and two. And then finally, at the end of the drive, they kind of they cough it up uh, inside the ten. It's kind of as a you know, it's about time. It serves mm-hmm. you right for going on fourth down so many times. <laughs> but that's crazy. First drive of the game, they go go on fourth down four times I, and just chewed up the clock completely. It was crazy. Speaking of just that one drive in particular, I'm you know, we need to double check on this and I'll have the stats department get on it, but the Ravens used both challenges on that first drive. I don't know if that's yeah. ever happened before. It, it was crazy to me. And of course, the second one, we lost the second one, am I correct? Yeah. I... I, I very rarely trust a Harbaugh challenge. Yeah. He I, is. I, I don't know what his, his challenge record is, but it's pretty abysmal. And I can't believe, you know, it's one thing, okay, you win the first one, fine, let's wait a little while. They challenged again, like you said. That's just that's just crazy. I, I <coughs> That's all you know, I can say. All I can say. Yeah. I mean, I thought that we should have won the second one as well because that ball did seem to be moving out of Kamara's hands and CJ Mosley came up with it but I don't know it looked pretty yeah. inconclusive to me yeah it you know the the, the every time they kept I just never saw it I know I know what you're saying but it just there wasn't enough for me to really overturn it yeah exactly I mean I, I can see why they challenged it and why they might want to challenge but again there just wasn't enough there you know, if they had called it a fumble on the field, I think it probably stayed exactly. a fumble. Exactly. Um, but, you know, those two challenges, losing those in the first quarter, uh, and especially actually losing the second challenge, uh, proved to be pretty important later on, which which we'll get to. Uh, but I did want to mention, especially on that first drive, the refs, you know, not to be like, oh, the refs ruined everything, but they gave the Saints some very favorable spots. And one of them was on that first yes. challenge that Harbaugh had to burn. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like three or four times the Saints uh, were given like an extra yard almost. And you're like, wait, what? Boy, that wasn't even close. And, you know, it, it just really throws everything off because then all of a sudden, you know, if, if they are, are held short on one fourth down, then you know, they, they're they probably going to end up punting, but then since the ball was spotted a yard closer, they end up going for it. So it just threw everything off for me. That first drive was very, very strange overall. I mean, the the for the Saints to run 20 plays and not score, and for there to be two challenges and a timeout, that was, that was just a very odd, odd start to the game. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like that. It was weird. It was weird. I mean... All the fourth down, you know, going forward on fourth down, like you said, all the challenges, you know, bad spots, just the refs, I, you know, and like you said, look, I, I, I hate when people blame things on the ref, mm-hmm. but it was a bad game for the refs. Yeah. I mean, just overall, 
you know, and you hate seeing that, hate losing because that stuff happens. Of course it happens. You know, it is what it is. You're probably going to have at least a, a handful of or, you know, the handful of losses of a good team. Sure. Maybe one one loss might be because of bad, a bad call here or there. But, but I, I don't know. It's just it's frustrating. I, it's, that's all you can really say. Yeah, and I guess since we're talking about the challenges and the spots, the way, the way it came back to bite the Ravens was another fourth down where Drew Brees kind of did like a quarterback sneak and, and he just stuck the ball over the line of scrimmage to get the yard and uh, pulled it back down and, and you know was pushed backwards. They gave Brees the forward progress of him sticking the ball out. But the key was that... He stuck the ball out and pulled it back before being touched by a defender. So his forward progress was not his full extension of the arms. Yeah, it was negated. It was brought back. So if the Ravens were able to use a challenge on that play, that would have been a turnover on downs. And, and you know, that's something that other people have, have talked about so far. But, you know, that you know that's the situation where it comes back to bite you and, you know, using both of them up, I guess if, if we had won the second challenge, we would have gotten a third one. But, you know, losing one of the challenges and, and kind of knocking our, our, you know, that out of our arsenal uh, for the rest of the game was just a tough way for it to go. Um, I think, the you know, I mean, the refs made a bad call on that one. I mean, it's not like when you're on the goal line and you can just stick the ball over and yeah. all it has to do is break the plane. It doesn't actually, have to break the plane for yeah. a first down. Yeah, yeah, there is no plane for the first down. You need forward progress. So, I don't know. That was another frustrating thing. I was like, man, like, you would think that these that the refs, the guys right on the line of scrimmage would, would know that, but I don't know. I don't know. If I know it, then they should know it. I, I mean, that's, that's how I Agreed. 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 <laughs> um, okay. Well, so... Talking about Breeze, we want to be the first podcast on the, in the world to congratulate him on his 500th career touchdown. I mean, awesome achievement. Only Peyton Manning and Brett Favre have done that, I believe. Is that true? Is and now else? he's also uh, now he's also won a game against I think every team. Yeah. Now that he's beaten the Ravens, so yeah. an even bigger feat. He finally beat the Ravens. We're in about five hundred touchdowns, man. <laughs> it's it. He finally had. He finally was able to to the, you know get us off his back mm-hmm. and and beat the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I like Drew Brees. A I mean, lot. what better what better career accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To beat the Ravens. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That, that's all anybody ever needs. Beat the Ravens. Yeah. If you beat the Ravens, you must be a Hall of Fame player. <laughs> <laughs> or, or score one career touchdown so far like Lamar Jackson. and Yeah, you know, exactly. Induct him. Boom. Induct him. Right in. Jacket. Right in. Yeah. Jacket. It's on um, the way. Yep. Uh, so, you know, continuing on with Breeze, I think he made one play in particular that I think shifted the whole momentum of the game, and it was at the end of the third quarter. It was third and eight, and the Ravens brought pressure with Tony Jefferson. Uh, Breeze kind of rolled out to the right, you know, was going backwards, threw off his back foot, got hit by Jefferson, and was somehow able to find Michael Thomas. And Thomas kind of, you know, avoided C.J. Mosley and squirmed ahead to convert the third down. 
And I thought that was a, um incredible play. I mean, you know, if, if Jefferson gets there a split second fast or if C.J. Mosley is a little bit closer to Michael Thomas, then, you know, the Saints are punting. But all of a sudden they convert that fourth down and it eventually leads to the Alvin Kamara touchdown, which gave the Saints the lead, I believe. So, you know, I think that was the one play that kind of, you know, shifted everything in uh, in the Saints' favor. And, you know, take it for what it is, but I was looking on uh, ESPN's site today. And at the moment of that play, the Ravens had an 86% chance of victory. And... I'm not going to pretend to know what, like how that's calculated or what factors go into it, but 86 is pretty high, and pretty close to being 100. percent Yeah, yeah. So then you know from that point on, you know it just slowly started tipping into the Saints' favor, and uh, you know obviously we know how it ended. So I thought that was the really big play. I mean, I mean Drew Brees, players like him just find a way to make those kinds of plays. And, yeah. uh, you know, he just did it one more time, like timeless times. Uh, I mean, countless times uh, over the course of his career. No question. I mean, look, there's there's a reason why Drew Brees is, you know, putting up the numbers to be the best quarterback ever. One of the best quarterbacks ever. I mean, he's putting up. I mean, he's certainly making a case for himself. Even up. I mean, think about the numbers he's putting up at this point. It's pretty freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, what else can you say other than it's tough to lose, but when you lose to great quarterbacks like that, all you have to do is kind of shake your head and figure, well, that that happens. Yeah, I mean, it, in an era of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers, you know, you know, Breeze is always considered near the top of the league, but he's almost an afterthought after those three. And, you know, he just proves time and time again that, you know, he is a – Obviously, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and you know, like you said, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, you know, like you said, sometimes you just got to tip your cap, and, and you know, yeah. on, on a particular play like that, you know, you just got to, you know, great players make great plays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and that's what we saw. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the main matchups that we talked about last week was uh, Michael Thomas against our corners. And he mostly drew coverage from Jimmy Smith. And this was Jimmy's first game back to being on the field for 100% of the snaps. And I think he missed one snap, and that's about it. Um, what, were, what were your initial thoughts? Or, or, you know, now that you've had time to uh, take it all in, what did you think about Jimmy's performance? Not great. I mean, and I think, as we saw in his post-game comments, you know, he didn't. He didn't think it was that great of a performance either. Um, you know, I, I think you need more from guys that that are paid like he is, and guys that have the reputation that he has. But at the same time, as you said, look, he, he's this is really his first game back, really, when you think about it. So I mean, it was a it was a tough tough matchup uh, for your first real real go. Uh, for the season, so uh, hopefully it's it's just uh, hopefully it's just up from here. Mm-hmm. And and you know I think getting Marlon Humphrey back is going to help as well. I mean, there's no reason to 
you know, for the corners to be out there every play, if you've got three that are really good, you know, yeah, might as well absolutely. rotate them and, and get them in there, keep them fresh. So, yeah, getting Humphrey back will be will be big. I mean, I, he had the hamstring problem and wasn't able to go, uh, but you know, you know, may need some help against some some talented receivers in uh, in Carolina as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, Michael Thomas, he had, I think, right about sixty yards in the touchdown. He also had a big pass interference um, that that he was able to draw. So not that was huge. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. But not like the huge numbers that you know we're sometimes used to him putting up. But he had a ton of third down conversions. It seemed like you know obviously he had the touchdown catch. So you know still made his presence felt for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, pass rush only one sack. You know, it's cool when like Hall of Famers sack another Hall of Famer. So Suggs got his sack on. yeah, that was that was cool to see. I mean, any any you know, anytime anytime you get a sizzle sack, it's always a good good day, you know. Um, but yeah, I was surprised though at, at at that lack of of pass rush in some respects, and and that they weren't able to to truly get to breeze more, you know. But some of that I think has to do with what we were just talking about that veteran savvy, you know, getting the getting the t- team up quickly and having not only having the funky formations like morning white tries to do but really being able to make them work yeah you know and not not it not it just being a gimmick that oh they're looking what the ravens did that play mm-hmm. no that i mean looking at what the saints did all the time like you said what they did with hill i mean it was like wait a minute i know and and i didn't realize what they going into the game i didn't realize what they were really doing with him on offense and i kept looking over him like wait a minute is, is that another quarterback on the field yeah and you know they made that work i mean it, it wasn't it wasn't the gimmick lamar jackson hey we you really should only use this in the red zone it was it it plays that worked and i i mean that's all i can say that it was it was a great offense but a great offense run by as we said a hall of fame quarterback who's one of the best of all time mm-hmm. that's and you know and there's a lot of credit too yeah oh without a doubt man i mean he is he's a fantastic offensive coach it's still funny to me you know if you recall back when when the ravens won the first super bowl a big part of that giants team mm-hmm. was jim fossil t- taking the play calling away from him from sean payton yeah from sean payton yeah and and that's what got them to the Super Bowl. And it's amazing to me that <laughs> Sean Payton is now this amazing offensive genius of a head coach because <laughs> he got basically crapped on by Jim Fossil and then the team went to a Super Bowl. So now, granted, of course, then the, the Ravens kicked their butts in the, in the game. But but regardless, I, I just find that amazing. I mean, you look at – you think about that Giants team – and, you know, the, the offensive coordinator is Sean Payton and the defensive coordinator is John Fox. I mean, was Jim Fossil even needed? You know, I mean, <laughs> pretty pretty unbelievable the coaching staff they had on that team. But yeah, I mean, the Ravens uh, uh, coaching staff on that team was pretty good, too. I mean. Oh, yeah. absolutely, man. Yeah. Let's uh, get back to maybe let's move on to the special teams. Um, Tucker had the missed point after heard around the league. 
you know, his, the first point after attempt he's missed in his whole career. Uh, you know, since high school. Yeah, since high school. That's crazy. He was due. I, I mean, he, you can't. Sadly, he was. Sadly, yeah. he was. I mean, it's it's a shame that it happened in a time where it lost us the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could have happened like in the first quarter, and it. Or when we scored our first touchdown, and mm-hmm. so be it. You know, at the time, oh, that sucks, and maybe if that ends up costing us the game, oh, you point back to Tucker. But to lose it in that dramatic fashion with that, I mean, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, hopefully he, he had his wolf farms today and mm-hmm. just got you know got a chance to relax a little bit and sing some opera, and and now he'll be back. You know, tomorrow back at practice, ready to roll. Yeah, you know, even his field goal attempt was was a little hairy. Uh, you know, kind of went right over the upright, uh, and yeah, that was that one was off to the right as well. But I, it seemed like you know there was just a huge magical gust of wind that you know just it was pretty windy yesterday. Him. I have to say, it was a pretty windy day. So yeah. I mean, I'm you know for whatever it's worth. I mean, I think we've seen we've seen Justin Tucker kick in much worse conditions and. <laughs> pretty much hit it right down the middle. So, you know, I think it was, as you said, he was due. It's unfortunate when it happened and then they cost the game, but hey, it is what it is. He's won a lot of games for us too, mm-hmm. so you really can't, you can't get, get get too down on him. Reading articles today, a lot of people are talking about the new video board, some of the new suites that are causing some swirling wind situations, but you don't hear about those when the field goals go in. So, No, no, yeah. that you don't. Nope. Uh, in the return game, not much to talk about, but I did want to talk about one punt by Sam Cook that was terrific. Uh, he was punting to kind of try to flip the field position. This was early in the second half, and uh, punted it, got a favorable bounce, and who was standing on the one-yard line other than Chris Moore to down it? I mean... First of all, to keep the ball away from Alvin Kamara on a punt return is pretty good. But then to get that kind of direction and to get that kind of bounce is really good. To have your gunner down there waiting for it is pretty amazing. I mean, that is how you should draw up any punt, and it worked to perfection. So kudos to those guys for that. Can't agree with you more. That's definitely one for for Sam Cook's highlight reel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty pretty amazing like you said it was a fantastic punt alone like for take yeah take out the fact that that Moore was able to down it at what was it the two or the one mm-hmm. i mean that was just crazy and and to have more right there basically to catch it pretty pretty unbelievable yeah that was awesome and it, I, like I, I follow pat mcafee on on twitter and he usually reviews the uh the kicking and the punting of the week. Uh-huh. I think he was, he was a little busy at the Colts game. You know, he was doing a charity event for them, but I think he would be, certainly be proud of that one. You know, I know Sam Cook is proud of that one. So that's a review of the three phases. I, I mean, overall, I think the Ravens probably played well enough to beat a lot of other teams, just happened to come up a little bit short against a Super Bowl contender in the Saints. So now we are going to have a very special segment of Take It Inside the Bank. Our special guest is somebody that you are very familiar with. It's our very own Andrew Holly. So he was able to score some tickets late and be at the game on Sunday. And so, Holly, I mean, I guess I'll just ask you, I mean, what was the atmosphere like at the beginning of the game? And, and you know, I'll, I'll 
kind of chime in with how I was feeling on the couch. Yeah, you know, I, I, it was it, it was pretty cool. First off, I haven't really been to a game in a couple of years. Like the last the last time I went to a game, we played the Eagles. I think late in the season two years ago. Um, so you know, there there were just being in the stadiums cool in and of itself. But like you said a little bit earlier in the show, the new video boards they've got up. I mean, it, the 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 in stadium experience is pretty awesome. You know, and of course all the you know the the intros with, you know, the WWE fire and smoke and fireworks going off and all that, that jazz, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I have to admit. I mean, I think, I think as I've mentioned to you before the, before we started recording in the end, I think if I'm going to watch a game, I prefer watching it at home because I get the announcers, I get some stats, you know, it's just, it, I can really dive into it a little bit more, mm-hmm. which sounds weird because you feel like, well, if you're at the stadium, you're seeing everything. But I get like ADD when I'm there. So, yeah. I, you know, I start looking around and other fans or I'm listening to people trash talking, giggling and talking to the people I'm with or whatever. <laughs> I'm yelling, you know, there's a lot of yeah. other stuff going on other than just paying attention to the game. So it was it was fun to be immersed. However, back into that environment, I was up in the upper deck Um so, so being in the upper deck, you know, I didn't get to hear the noise level. I think that I would have if I, if I was lower down into the lower bowl, but uh, it was a pretty pretty good crowd. I thought yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely seemed like it. I mean, I I don't know exactly how uh, Fox gets the crowd noise or if they pipe it in themselves, but being a close game against a really good team, it finally felt like you know, this is a Baltimore crowd. I mean, it kind of felt and, and it kind of sounded like uh, a home playoff game. It really did. It, I, I do have to give you that. I mean, it was it was a pretty fired up crowd. There was electricity in the stadium because, you know, you're playing Drew Brees and the Saints. They're four and one coming into the game. You know, it, it was <clears throat> it was it was a fun atmosphere. I have to admit, you could tell that the Ravens were pretty fired up. Um, it was just overall, overall a very good, very good atmosphere. Yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, you know, finally they didn't have to deal with any torrential downpour this week. So, um. yeah, I have to say that you know, it was funny. I was when I was walking into the stadium, I was talking to a couple other fans, and everybody, they, the comment was, "Wow, there are a lot of people here today," and everything. And I was, and we're chatting back and fourth and i said well shoot this is the first first game it's not crappy weather and it was mm-hmm. it was really nice yesterday it was a little on the cool side it was windy um yeah. so obviously that affected things in the end unfortunately but it was windy and i'll tell you what when that sun went below the stadium it got cold oh, quick yeah. i mean because it was actually pretty nice I, I was in the sunny side of the stadium for the, it was essentially sunny until about the fourth quarter mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, it got cold quick, but it was, but that also made it a good good atmosphere for a game. Quite frankly, it felt like football weather. It was, uh, it was a good time, you know, as a sidebar, they, they've, I guess when they had Ray Lewis, you know, hall of fame day a few weeks ago, they recorded some really cheesy video of Ray. And he's like, come on, Baltimore, I need you, you know, and he's going, doing the Ray Lewis thing, you know, trying to get the crowd riled up. You know, it just didn't do it for me. I more laughed at it than I really, (laughs) you know, got fired up by it. I love Ray, you know, but some of his stuff at this point is almost like a character 
character. <laughs> and it was it was like the caricature of Ray Lewis trying to get the crowd fired up. Yeah. So I, I found know. that, uh, you know, some unintentional comedy while I was at the game. Yeah, probably not the effect they're going for. I think it works a lot better when he was wearing a uniform. Uh, but absolutely, yeah. yeah if, if he was running, in, you know, before the game, doing his dance and all that stuff, that was amazing. I mean, to see Ray Lewis mm-hmm. do his entrance and all, all that stuff, that's one of the things I'll never forget. I mean, the best thing I can equate it to, and this is going to sound stupid potentially, but you know, back when I was a kid at Hershey Park Arena, seeing Hulk Hogan, you know, mm-hmm. flexing and doing the like, oh, you know, Lizzie with the ear, you know. Doing his thing where he put his hand to his ear to get the crowd fired up. Yeah. That was by far one of the coolest things I've ever seen as a sport fa- sports fan because the guys, all the eleven year old kids going freaking crazy, Nuts, you know, and their yeah. parents kind of shaking their heads, you know. But whatever, <laughs> that that's sort of what I equate Ray Lewis to. It was that same kind of man. He just had that power over the crowd. I can't say that that video truly captured that same magic. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it's sound just, like it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but anyhow, it was it was fun to be at the stadium again. You know, I have to I have to admit to everybody, I was a bad fan. I was telling you, so towards the end of the game, they score, and I had to pee, and I'm Ravens thinking, and I I gotta go. Ravens hadn't scored yet. It was the Saints had scored, mm. and so we're down. I think I think the Ravens had just punted the ball back. And I was like, okay, I, I can't hold it anymore. I got to go. So we go down. And then I end up having to watch the Ravens score the touchdown from this concourse. And then, you know, they missed the kick. And I'm just like, God, I just, I felt like a terrible fan. But with that said, as I think I, I told you, I turned to the fan next to me and I said, okay, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to be the jerk that gets up and leaves but it's because I've got to go to the bathroom, and I know when I'm sitting at the urinal, Lord knows the Ravens are going to score a touchdown because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to see it. So it didn't quite work out that way, but it came pretty close. Yeah, you're really close, really close. But <laughs> <laughs> you're one one gust of wind away from from oversight. I know. And then yeah. being upset that I wasn't because I was up in the upper deck at that point, and we had walked all the way down to the first level, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to walk all the way back up to the upper deck for <laughs> overtime. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, maybe next time. Yeah, hopefully next time. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll remember next time not to have that last beer, you know, and I'll, I'll got to yeah, stay well. for that last for that last whistle. But yeah, anyhow, yeah, absolutely. So before we we uh, look ahead to week eight. Uh, did you have a game ball that you wanted to hand out? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, you have to sort of give a game ball to our man, C.J. Mosley. I mean, 16 tackles. I mean, the man was everywhere. Sure, it was a losing effort, but standout performance by, by C.J. Mosley. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to give mine to John Brown. He had 134 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown at the end to almost tie it up. He had a huge play at the end of the first half to uh, set up the touchdown. So John Brown, you know, was quiet for a couple weeks and, and showed back out in a big way. So game ball to him. Uh, do you have a pop of the week? You know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Terrell Suggs, sacking Drew Brees. Like you said before, it's always cool to see a Hall of Famer sack a Hall of Famer. And we had that. 
Yep, absolutely. I'm going to go with my guy, Mandrews. He absolutely bulldozed Marshawn Lattimore at the goal line to get in for the touchdown. So a little bit of size advantage in his favor, but he took advantage of it, caught the ball, ate the contact, and ran him over for the score. So I'm going to give that to Mandrews. You're just going to give that to Terrell Suggs. Now we're going to get to our bulletin board material. Who are you putting on notice? You know, I'm going to have to go with Jimmy Smith. Um, We'll just say you need to play better. You know, I don't want to pin this entire loss on Jimmy Smith, even though he he pinned it on himself in his post-game comments yesterday. He's our number one corner. We need him to play with like a number one corner. And for the rest of the season, that's what I expect. So, Jimmy Smith, you're on the bulletin board. Yep, I I had Jimmy Smith, too. Um, You know, we kind of forgot to mention earlier, but the Ravens finally gave up a second-half touchdown. And, uh, that they did. The, the only one of my predictions from last week that actually came true. Shockingly, I know. <laughs> between between I my was... high hopes for both Willie Sneed and Gus Edwards. But, unfortunately, the uh, bad prediction of uh, the Saints finally breaking that streak occurred. I was trying to skate away from those predictions. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'll call myself out. They were absolutely ridiculous. But I still say, <laughs> if Gus Edwards... Edwards might have gotten more of a chance. He might have actually done something. He only got two carries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just didn't get his attempts. You know, he, he's got to get it going next week maybe against the Stout Carolina team. But, uh, you know, it, it, maybe to expand on Jimmy Smith, you know, he's just got to play like he's getting paid. I mean, if he wants to say he's one of the premier corners, then he's got to play like it. Maybe the other guy I'm going to give some bulletin board material to is Justin Tucker. And I know he missed one. I get it. And, and he was due and all that. But how do you bounce back? You know, yeah. we've seen so many times kicker just kind of crumble. I mean, they are creatures of habit. They're just kind of weird people in general. So how do you bounce back from a miss like that? I mean, it's not just any missed um, extra point. It's one that almost tied up the game. And he seemed to take it kind of hard. And he, you know, was very accountable. And, you know, he said, yeah, I got to make that. But, you know, going down on the road again and, and going against another uh, – a actually former Ravens great Graham Gano in Carolina. Yeah. You know, how do you how does he bounce back? So I'm I'm looking for that. I want him to get back to it. He's kind of a weird guy in himself. So I think he'll be okay, but let's see. So Jimmy Smith and Justin Tucker are on the bulletin board. So all that being said, we gotta look forward to week eight at the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Carolina Panthers had a very interesting win on Sunday because they were down 17 nothing to start the fourth quarter, and they scored 21 unanswered to move to 4-2 and two on the year. You know, Cam Newton was pretty unstoppable in that, in that fourth quarter and, and kind of carried his team to victory. He poses a, a big challenge, but much different than Drew Brees did this week. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in uh, in week eight? Well, it, you know, I, as you were kind of alluding to somewhat with Justin Tucker, I think he's going to be a big part of next week. I mean, the, the Panthers have a bit, have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Luke Keekley making plays all over the place. You know, they're going to run the ball, you know, Christian between, between Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton, C.J. Anderson. They're going to run the ball a little bit. They're going to pound it. They're going to play good defense. You know, it, 
it, it's going to be an interesting matchup to see how the Ravens, you know, first off, this somewhat of a finesse offense plays against that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, like I said, I think special teams is going to be going to play a big, big role between, as you said, former Ravens, great, quote unquote, Graham Gano and and Tucker. I think whoever makes the most kicks wins potentially. Yeah, it certainly come, comes down to that. It's You know, the Panthers have a top 10 defense, like you mentioned, in both yards and points given up. Um, so, you know, they, they don't let you run the ball. They're really good against the run. And, uh, you know, they do have some quality corners. They have Eric Reed at safety who had, you know, his own excitement before the game yesterday. But, you know, really talented players all across that defense. So it'll be a challenge again. I mean, I mean Cam Newton is... is a freak physically. Uh, he has some weapons on the offensive side of the ball to throw the ball to. You know, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey is a savant catching the ball out of the backfield. You know, he's got rookie DJ Moore who hasn't made that big of an impact yet, but is capable of making big plays. And uh, he just got Greg Olson back, who he loves as his tight end. And another former Ravens great on the Panthers is Torrey Smith. A true Ravens great. And it's going to be fun to see see Torrey Smith. I, it was always sad. It was sad to see him go. It was a shame that, you know, I was kind of hoping two seasons ago we were going to go get Torrey Smith mm-hmm. uh, and, and and before he went to the Eagles. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they've got some weapons. I mean, even Devin Funches. I mean, they've got some guys to throw the ball to. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup overall on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, Funches is their number one receiver, and he's the only one I didn't mention. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it'll it'll be good if we get Marlon Humphrey back. I mean, I, you, you kind of saw how much they missed him yesterday. I mean, he may not have the biggest box score numbers, but he is just very solid in coverage, never really gets burned really that bad. So having him back to kind of battle uh, Greg Olson and Devin Funches, it, it, it would be a big boon for the defense. Um, so early line, the Ravens are favored by one on the road. And I think that's probably because this, the Panthers didn't look very good for three quarters and the, and the Ravens hung in there against the Saints. So being favored by one on the road, what are you thinking? I, I, I'm, you know, I'm always kind of surprised by that. I don't, I don't think the Ravens are – I think they're getting a little bit more respect than they should. I, I don't know. Just because it's on the road, I find that interesting. But, uh, I mean, I, look, it's not like I'm not going to pick the Raven, Ravens to win – the game i'm just kind of surprised by that yeah yeah that's that's always a little strange to see i know the the panthers and their fans probably aren't very happy about that but i'm not really sure how big of a home field advantage they have in general yeah i mean i'll tell you what i i can understand what you're saying i've been to the i think we were talking before we started recording a little bit and i went to the ravens panthers game i don't know gosh it was like five or six years ago maybe more than that at this point um where Ed Reed had the crazy pitch to to Landry for the touchdown, mm-hmm. and and then we it was just a, a defensive just destruction of that Panthers team by the Ravens, um, you know. But I didn't feel like it was kind of a generic stadium. It really didn't. I mean, you kind of have to say that about a lot of football stadiums. I have to yeah. admit, like it's not like it's not like going to a, a ballpark, you know, in baseball. There's not usually a whole lot of character aside from say, going to Tampa, and they have the pirate ship in the one end zone. I mean, that's kind of cool. But, right. you know, it was just kind of a blah, blah atmosphere. 
Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to, interesting to see, you know, now that they've had Cam for a while and, you know, they generally look to to be a contender every year, even if they're not, you know, their fans, how how good they are, how loud they are. It'll be interesting to see what that atmosphere is like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're 3-0 and at home this year, uh, so... I guess they do play well there. So do you have a do you have a prediction for us? You know, like I said, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I'm going to say 17-13 Ravens. That is exactly what I was going to say. 17-13 Ravens. Uh it'll be a little bit uglier one, few more punts than we'll than we're used to seeing so far from this offense. Uh but I think Cam Newton uh does pose much different challenge than the Ravens have seen this year. You know, his mobility and, and, you know, he, once he settles in, he can definitely throw the ball from the pocket. But, you know, if you get him scrambling out of the pocket, you better have some kind of robber there so he doesn't just take off. So it, it, it's a, it'll be a different challenge for the defense. I think we certainly have the pieces that are up to it. Hopefully Mar- Marlon Humphrey can come back and, um, you know, force the Panthers into kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. So, we both have the Ravens winning next week, 17-13. Before we sign off, uh, did you have any other random notes from the game? I mean, not really necessarily on last week's game. I, I will say, you know, one other key to the, the game against the Panthers is going to be the health of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, that's going to play a big role, especially because they have a good defense. So if if we're rolling out two rookies again, and especially a rookie that might be hobbled, you know, we could be in for a long day. Yeah, especially on the road. I mean, it, it's totally different atmosphere. You know, if, you know, never know if uh, the silent count will be needed, anything like that that might get a little bit more complex. But, you know, if the rookies have to play, then they better be ready to go because that defensive front for the, for the Panthers is good and, and playing on the road is always a different animal. Absolutely. Um, so I did have a couple random notes, and it's not something that you would have been able to notice from up in the upper deck, but they're both face mask related. The first note that I had, and, and maybe you want to Google this as I'm saying it, but Terrell Suggs' face mask yesterday was awesome. It was so cool. You know, he had the black. You know, they had him up on the board a few times, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily see see the look i'll have to oh, i'll have to man. go on baltimoreravens.com and see if they have oh, a uh, pick it was cool it like ton of bars everywhere you know it, it was like nothing he's worn before but it looked like a warrior helmet not a not a football player's helmet was it sort of like i mean remember that that face mask that ray had his last game it almost looked like a gladiator yeah. like face mask sort of thing was yeah. it almost like that it was not almost like that but like that same kind of idea with just like more bars than usual and just looking scarier than usual uh which is tough gotcha. to do when you're talking about subs but it was really really cool and the other one was another face mask that I noticed. Alvin Kamara, and maybe Google this one too, but his face mask is really close to his actual face. It's not a normal face mask. And, and huh. you know, most of the face masks kind of go away from the player's faces a little bit for a little extra space, I guess. Um, but his I'm seeing really... what you're talking about. Not to, not to interrupt you, I'm finally seeing Suggs' face mask. Yeah. And that is cool. Yeah. They're like, like you said, they're like extra bars on it. It looks... Yeah, that looks pretty badass. Yeah, it looks so, scary. Yeah, if you're listening to this, make sure you Google that because that was <clears> awesome. 
And then also Google Kamara's face mask because it's very strange looking and it's just very close to his nose, which you don't really see that often because, I mean, there's got to be some kind of safety issue with that, but kind of looks strange to me. Yeah, I'm scrolling through to see if like he's going to be in one of these picks. Yeah, there there are all these pictures of the Suggs face mask. It is pretty amazing. No, they didn't. They didn't have any good picks on the Ravens website of you know tackling Kamara because I guess yeah. we didn't tackle him all that much. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, man. There's nothing like a cool face mask. I mean, it really does add that extra level. And then the fact too that Suggs has that like uh, the uh, the the dark uh, like sunglasses yeah the, the yeah. dark the the dark film on the the what would you even call that what am i trying to say visor i think it's called a visor yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i mean he just looked really cool and he got the sack so i mean to do that you kind of have to have a certain kind of swagger and Suggs definitely has that no oh, he has that in spades there's no question yep absolutely so there you have it. That is episode seven from week seven of Crab Takes in Football. Holly, you want to sign us off? Yeah, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week to Crab Takes in Football. We'll see you next week with a recap of the Panthers. Let's go, Ravens. Go, Ravens. <laughs>